Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 52? And we'll start right there with the... Hmm. Am I ready? Okay. Thought I might preach the bulletin today, but... Uh... The wicked and the righteous, the wicked, of course, are deceitful. Now, whenever there's a superscript is the introductory lines in the Psalms, I, I draw it from the Hebrew text. So that's always counted as verses. Just remember that it's the same thing that you have, but Mine will show that in this case, I'll probably be two verses ahead of you. My verse four, for example, probably be your verse two, but it's the same uh, scripture. For the conductor, the master musician, a mascal of David, a mascal, mascal, an instructive contemplative psalm. Think deeply on this psalm. It's also used in those days, it was used as a musical term. So it meant that it had some kind of uh, over, overtone with regard to how the music was to be played. What about the psalm? The psalm is when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said to him, David came to the house of Ahimelech. We, we, we finished some months ago, 1 Samuel. Again, you will have committed that to memory. So when I say that it's from verses, from chapters 21 and 22, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Saul was in pursuit of David. David and those traveling with him are famished from running. And they come to a village, a city called Nob, wherein was set up what they used as the tabernacle. Ahimelech was the priest. David needed help. He said, I sure could, my men and I could sure use something to eat. And if you happen to have a sword laying around, that might be a little helpful. So Ahimelech tended to them, gave them the old showbread that was reserved for the priesthood, but he gave it to David and his men. And they had stored in that place the sword of Goliath with which David killed Goliath, cut his head off. So he brought to him also the sword of Goliath. Now remember, Saul has a, an insane hatred for David. 
He's not even really attending to the matters of state like he should because he is so focused on catching and killing David. While Ahimelech was doing these things for David, Doeg the Edomite happened to be there. He is described in the Bible as a servant of Saul. He was the chief shepherd. That is, he was the overseer of all of the flocks of Saul. And in that culture, a very important position. So David and his men are refreshed. David now has the sword of Goliath and they're on their way, still running from Saul. But Doeg sees a, an opportunity for himself. And he goes back to Saul and he reports. Ahimelech, the, the priest, helped David. He fed him and his men, gave him the sword of Goliath. Saul is enraged. Now, this is the high priest. This is the priesthood here. And he orders his guards to go and kill the priests. They refuse to do it. No, these are, this is Yahweh's anointed priests. We won't do this. Doeg says, leave it to me. So apparently with other men, Doeg, the Edomite. Now remember, he's an Edomite. That means he's a descendant of Esau. Descendants of Esau were living life just for themselves. Whatever they had to do to enrich themselves or to make themselves a better place in life or what they thought was a better place, they would say or do anything. And he's no different from Esau, his predecessor. He takes his band of men. He kills Ahimelech. Slaughters his children, his wife. Doesn't stop there then sets out to kill the priests and there were 85 of them plus their wives, all of their children, regardless of infant, infancy or older. Didn't stop there, killed all of their horses, mules, donkeys, camels, sheep, goats, cattle, killed everything, all their animals, killed everything and everybody, completely and totally wiped out the village of Nob, and in the process, it looked like he had killed off the priesthood. But one of them escaped, and he ran to David and told David what had happened. And then that's, that leads into another story. But you can see what a terrible person. Doeg the Edomite is. So this is the introduction of Psalm 52 and a contrast between the, the wicked 
and the righteous. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty man? It comes from Gabor. The, the, it, means, um, it, it means like uh, a champion or someone who thinks very highly of himself. Reference like this is used in the pre-flood world. And it speaks of, it, it, likely, it likely speaks of bands of terrorists who arrogate to themselves some sort of authority because they're thugs, they're mean, they're armed, and there are many of them. And so they impose their, their wills on other people who just want to live a simple life. So this is a kind of person Doheg was. But when he says, you mighty man, the Holy Spirit then expands this to others uh, throughout time. Why do you boast of your evil, you mighty man? God's L. It's interesting, he, he doesn't use the personal name of God through this, but he appeals to the all-powerful God. Yahweh is a covenant name, but this is something that extends just to the, all of humanity. El's kindness is constant. Now, what is the weapon of the wicked man? What is the dreaded weapon? It is his tongue. If Doeg had never said a word, nothing would have happened. Now, of course, in response to this, David is going to do other things and it, it, it creates an, an escalating problem. If he had not said anything, he didn't tell a lie. He just took his tongue and used it as a weapon to go on the attack, to hurt, to harm, to kill. So he says, your tongue plots destruction as a sharpened razor working deceit. Probably all of us have had to deal with people like this. They come out from the shadows. They're backstabbers. They're, you know, Paul calls them by various names. They're slanderers and backstabbers and, and, and such. And you're not, you're not armed for it. You're not expecting this kind of attack. You're not prepared. It comes from the blind side. And suddenly something is said. Now anything can be said in the course of time, not anything, but a lot of things can be said to harm a person, even though it's truth. But it may not be, the, it may not be truth in its proper setting. This is the kind of person that we are being told about here, a wicked person who doesn't mind using his tongue as an evil weapon to plot destruction, to only say it to destroy, to hurt. 
I've, I've seen people, faced people like that th- throughout my adult life for sure. Especially in the ministerial life. Sharpened razor, working deceit. So it's the kind of thing where it's a plan that goes into motion and the one who creates the plan keeps working it, working deceit. In the New Testament, we are told to walk circumspectly for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So to walk circumspectly is to be aware of everything that's around you. Always be aware. The terrible description of this wicked person continues in verse, in, in my verse five. You loved evil more than good. Falsehood more than speaking righteousness forever. In this life, in this age, in my experience, I have seen for the short term well-planned deceit and falsehood achieve its goal in the short term. Destruction, hurt, deceit, such that people are are forced back or down from, from where they were. By those who love evil more than good, they love falsehood more than speaking righteousness forever. You loved all destructive words a deceitful tongue. I have actually known people like this. I have. The sad thing is you can't identify them until they've already done what they set out to do. And then you realize they, they, fought in, they fall into this pattern, into this description. People who with an ulterior motive, and the old saying is, we just throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks. And I've seen, I've seen people like that just so they can accomplish a selfish goal with no thought of how it finally works itself out and with no thought of how there's a horrible end to it out there. So they don't think that far ahead. They're just simply controlled by wickedness. You loved all destructive words. You love a deceitful tongue. People who, for whatever reason, in serious matters cannot cannot tell the truth. And even when the truth would be okay, not that big of a deal, but 
finding an opportunity to be harmful and, and hurtful and hopefully create a scenario in which that person believes he's been built up. In the case of Doeg the Edomite, all he was interested in was becoming the darling of King Saul, who himself was an evil king. I knew a guy once, well, I still know him, I guess. And he was a staff member of mine. It's been a while back. And I, he served on my staff for years, really. And for some reason, he had this, it was obvious that he had this fear that other staff members were going to be more highly exalted in what they did than what he did. That, that included me. And so his, instead, of, instead of trying to just serve the Lord with the greatest thing he could do and let the Lord take care of it, since he couldn't exalt himself in his mind, I guess, any higher than where he was, his plan was to tear down the other staff members around him. And apparently his plan was at least I can hang on to where I am and they will have to be diminished. And after all the smoke is cleared, I'll be higher than they are. I mean, this is the kind of people, people are like this. They live like this. If I can't do it myself, I will tear down other people so that they will look bad and I can keep looking good. My daddy used to always say that. I'm, heard, I'm sure it's an old saying that many people have heard. If you, if, you, if you are bent on lying, then you have to have a perfect memory. You can't keep up with all of the lies, right? You just can't keep it. It comes against itself there somewhere and implodes. This is the kind of person that's being described here. Doeg couldn't do anything to elevate himself except to tear down other people. And perhaps in their collapse, he would maintain his plane and appear to be greater than he appeared before. These people are dangerous people. And the world is replete with people like this. About two or three presidential elections ago, one of the presidential candidates was being attacked. Now, this was several years ago. This wasn't anything recent. He was being attacked by leaders in the other party, and they were laying all kinds of things against him. And this man, and it wasn't, it wasn't Trump, this man was a rather wealthy man, and he just didn't want to reveal his taxes. I don't care what your taxes are. I have a hard enough time with mine. But the leader of the Senate, 
I won't call his name, but he recently passed away. Um, <laughs> the leader of the Senate, I heard it, I heard it, I guess it was recorded after he said, he stood up in the Senate and made these accusations against the presidential candidate from the opposite party, accusing him of various things and especially of being dishonest such that he didn't want people to see his tax returns. And so after just actually saying that the candidate for president was a dishonest man and had not paid taxes for years, this man said, now, it's up to him to prove me wrong. Well, that's terrible. That's not the way it works. But he obviously got away with it because it, he, I guess he won the day in that sense. This is the kind of person, we're as it comes out later, many years after that election, the guy had been paying his taxes. He never missed a tax payment. He, you know, why would he do that anyway? So it was destructive. And the guy later, after he had retired, I listened to him being interviewed and he said this, he said, we knew this man had paid his taxes, but I said it to accomplish what I accomplished, namely the defeat of that presidential candidate. This is the candidate, now we're surrounded by people like this. All the time. The Bible calls it an evil person, a wicked person who loves falsehood more than speaking righteousness and loves destructive words. And so they bring upon themselves their own destruction. They are doomed. El, God, El, that's a very generic name, but that's how he uses it here. El, also shall tear you down forever. He will break you. You know, you are no more like Satan than at that time when you're slandering and lying. The father of lies. You are as close to identifying with Satan as at any other time. Tear you down forever. He will break you and pluck you from your tent and uproot you from the land of the living forever. There's one good thing that can be said about those who slander you. They're going to die someday and shut up. So, in this case, it will come to an end, though much destruction and damage will have been done. It will come to an end, but such people, as I said, are so much like the devil that they fall into the same condemnation, the accuser of the brethren, such that they are torn down and uprooted forever. Now, there's a contrast here 
The contrast is to those who are the righteous. And righteous men will see and fear and laugh at him. That probably will come at another time. I haven't had the opportunity yet to laugh at some people, but who knows? I won't miss the opportunity when the Lord gives it to me. Laugh at him. Behold the man who does not place his strength in Elohim. And he trusts his great wealth instead. He strengthened himself in his wickedness. And that goes back to what I said a while ago. He can't strengthen himself with righteousness. So his natural tendency is his destructive tongue to tear down those whom he cannot rise above. And so in his mind, they must fall beneath him. He maintains his status. They fall beneath him. Therefore, in his mind, he is now greater than them. Doeg, in his mind, would have thought that this would have exalted him to the highest, to the highest uh, place of service of anyone of Saul's servants. He placed his strength in himself and in his wickedness, his great wealth. He never placed his strength in Elohim. Just trusted himself. Of course, therein is his eternal problem to trust only in himself. The righteous are the devoted ones to the Lord. But I'm like a fresh olive tree in the house of Elohim. Now, of course, this is a Psalm of David. Saul's house is a fallen tree. The house of David is a fresh olive tree that continues to be strengthened. But I'm like a fresh olive tree in the house of Elohim. I have trusted in the kindness. Actually, I said, I should translate it the loving kindness. It is the covenant love of Elohim. I trust in my relationship with God because God is the one who has established this relationship. I didn't establish it with him. He established it with me and he never changes. I have trusted in the merciful, loving kindness, the covenant love of Elohim forever and ever. And I will thank you forever and ever when you have done this and I will hope for your name. I will wait for your name for it is good. Great anticipation where God finally establishes absolute justice and righteousness. And it's only found in his name. He's the only one. For it is good in the presence of your devoted ones, or you could say uh, your saints, your devoted ones, yours, your people. It is good this waiting in hope 
for what you will do in the presence of your saints, your devoted ones. There is this picture that comes to mind when one reflects upon the great white throne and the final judgment of all things. Satan, the adversary, the devil, the dragon, is not the first one cast into Gehenna, the lake of fire. The first one is the Antichrist. The second is the false prophet. But then Satan is brought in to the great white throne of judgment. This is, I mean, from the presence of the great white throne, the revelator says the earth and the heavens fly away. It's a difficult thing to imagine, but before the first heaven and the first earth, and after the collapse and destruction before the, of the second heaven, the, the last heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, and after the collapse of the first heaven and first earth, after the collapse of the universe as we know it now, but before the new heaven and the new earth are created, there is this, there is this realm that is called the great white throne. Now, nothing can distract from what is going on here. You can't stargaze, they're all gone. You can't look back at earth and think about how life used to, it's gone. Everything's gone. All of the saints of God and the elect angels are gathered with the Christ and the elect, the, the church, the, 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 the Lord's own, his elect, will participate with him in this judgment. So we're on, the, we're on the right side of this thing in the name of Christ. And death and hell give up what's in them. And the sea and everything. So the realm of the unsaved, the realm of the wicked dead, Hades and Tartarus. Second Peter talks about the place beneath Hades where fallen angels are kept. So all the demons, all the fallen angels, all of, all of those who are not of the elect are gathered and they are, they forcibly stand. They are forced to stand before the great white throne. The, the chief weapon as I look at this thing and consider it in the scriptures, the chief weapon of Satan, our great adversary, the anointed cherub who fell, the one who sought to displace God himself and put himself there, that one is called in the Bible the father of lies and, and everything everything fell apart with falsehood and lying 
his deceit and lies to Eve and what happened in the garden. And then he goes from there. And Doeg the Edomite, he's just, he's just a little speck of the greater problem of deceit and evil tongues that are, can be so destructive. And an evil tongue can, can destroy mighty people, high and, and mighty people. And this trail of deceit is seen cutting its path all the way through history until the great white throne. It's during the tribulation that the accuser of the brethren is cast out of heaven. And he falls to, with great wrath. But it isn't until this great white throne that he is cast into the lake of fire forever. So there is this promise. All of this is going to be worked out. God is in complete control of it. And being completely in charge, finally, and forever, the righteous are separated from the wicked, just like God always said they would. And the falsehood and the beginning of it, all of this is thrown into the lake of fire and the, the righteous will live in thanksgiving and praise to our Lord forever and ever and ever. And we'll never have to worry about that kind of thing anymore. Not ever again. David, his, some of his greatest sufferings came because people who he thought were close to him lied about him. They told stuff about him. And that's, that's, you can't, you can't fight that with your fists. That's, that's a, that's a battle that, is, that can only be won by the Lord. And the Lord protected David from those things in his life. And no one is better to report on that or to be inspired with a prayer and a song about it than David himself. Let's pray and we'll be through tonight. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you attend to us when we find those times that we have to suffer at the razor tongues of wicked people who use them as a, a weapon. Thank you that you, you promise protection and final deliverance for us. Now, Lord, we, we thank you for our salvation and for the great day of separation that is yet to come when we will stand in glory, having been glorified ourselves with you forever and ever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.